0: If you're looking for Pokemon-style Etsy items, Pokemon Pop figures, and so much more, check out the PokeDepartmentStore.com. That's P-O-K-E-D-E-P-S-T-O-R-E.com
1: for all your Pokemon needs. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: it has been a freaking day. <laughs> I'm not going to go into too much detail. I mean, the the beginning of my day sucked. Work, work sucked. I mean, when does work not suck? But I had an amazing, amazing time after work. I actually, with the help of the Ontario Provincial Police, stopped a pretty well-known criminal in our small town all because my wife forgot tomatoes to go with our dinner so I had to go out and buy tomatoes and it was all because of that I ran into this known thief who just so happened to have a backpack full of stuff not to mention stolen things but paraphernalia and items used to obtain items through theft It was a heck of an afternoon. (laughs) And now I'm just, I've I've decided that, you know what, today is the day that I'm going to record this podcast and, you know, get ahead of the ball because usually I record the night before the podcast is supposed to come out. I know I procrastinate a lot, uh, especially when I have two podcasts to record. (laughs) But I figured, you know what, The wife and kids are out at a movie to go see uh, Super Mario Bros. So why not kill two birds with one stone and get a podcast done while I have some peace and quiet. So on that note, let's move on to some even more interesting great news. This little dude in the Junior TCG Masters wins a tournament with a Galaxy Brain play. Oh yeah, listen to how this actually happens. So, junior competitive Pokemon player Remy Lorenz defeated his EUIC finals opponent with an unexpected trick that had commenters praising his quote-unquote galaxy brain. So, on April 16th, the junior finale for the TCG looked set to be a fairly boring match. Uh, The competitors Remy and Drake were running two very similar lists, both running the combination of Lugia, V-Star, and Archops. Which, I mean, is a pretty meta deck that's been popular for many months. However, it was transformed into one of the highlights of the tournament when Remy managed to force his opponent to deck out, unable to act until he ran out of cards. Remy was behind and it seemed to be in a weaker position in the midst of his final, or his first match, sorry, when he suddenly stopped the count. He realized, His opponent was running out of resources. All of his energy was either discarded or tied up on his active and bench Pokemon, so Remy promptly played a surprise boss's orders, forcing an energy-less Lugia V onto the field. He then passed the turn to Drake, who, unable to retreat or attack without energy, was forced to pass back. The next several turns continued that way, with Drake unable to attack and Remy refusing to attack, before Remy finally delivered the coup de grace with Tyranitar's Kregalanch Launch Attack, milling the last couple of cards. The Lugia V-Star Archops deck typically functions by using Lugia's V-Star power to pull Archops onto the bench, without needing to play an archon. Archops then lets you quickly power up Lugia V-Star with special energy, allowing to Allowing its devastating attack to be used at great speed. I mean, heck, that's one way to beat your finals. Deck out your opponent. Congratulations, little man. I mean, this guy, he is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Not only now, but when he gets older. If you're this good at... I mean, from the picture, he looks like he's, what, 11? Maybe 12? If you're that much of a threat at that age, oh man, I can't wait to see you when you get older and go into masters. You are going to be a force to be reckoned with. People will be scared of this kid for some time to come. Next up, if you have Instagram or even social media to begin with, You're probably going to be very familiar with this next story. And I'm kind of ashamed to even be mentioning this story because I kind of bashed the story a little bit on my social media. But here we are covering something that has been beaten to death already. I'm talking about the fusion strike factory theft that happened actually a couple years ago. Yeah, it, it actually happened back in like 2020, 2021 area. Uh, and actually concluded back in January of 2022. But we're just finding out about it now. I mean, sure, why not wait an entire year and a couple months to tell us about a massive theft? But don't worry, it didn't affect your pull rates, apparently. So basically this couple weekends ago now, uh, Pokemon's biggest ever factory theft came to light on social media. The photo began circulating of thousands of Fusion Strike secret rare cards that were stolen from a factory back in 2021. The photo actually leaked from an internal investigation that started in September of 2021 and concluded in January of 2022. However, fans, like I just mentioned, are just learning about it now. So the stolen Fusion Strike cards bounced between a few hands before ultimately being offered to a hobby store in Texas named Trading Card World. Uh, approached by an individual in, approached by an individual inquiring if we were interested in purchasing hits from the set. The store told Pokey Beach when they saw the seller was offering thousands of sets rarest cards, they realized it would be impossible for an ordinary consumer to obtain such a concentrated amount of them. The seller explained his connection to the source big mistake and we immediately contacted TPCI through proper channels, the store stated. CPCI opened an investigation, and a prime investigator flew out to, the, flew out to collect the cards from the store. Um, and as you can see in the photo, Pokemon expressed to the store that it was the largest return of stolen property to date. Pokemon concluded their investigation, again in January of 2022, which probably means they identified the original thief. Fans who just saw the photo assumed the stolen cards must have impacted their fusion strike pull rates, but this currently can't be proven, and it's probably unlikely. The cards seem to have been stolen during the production phase, when they were stored in boxes. Uh, The secret rares are printed separately from other cards because of their texture. The secret rares are printed on large sheets, cut into individual cards, and stored in long white boxes. At least five of those white boxes are packed into a cardboard box. That's sent off to machines that sort the cards into booster packs. The machine loads different boxes of cards into each booster pack depending on their rarity. You'll see the boxes are labeled by rarity uh, below uh, in this story. We imagine the sorting machines alert the workers when they're running low on certain rarities, meaning packs shouldn't have escaped the factory without the proper rate of secret rares. Otherwise, it would be common for packs to be missing cards. The factories also weigh every single booster pack. This not only ensures the packs have the proper amount of cards in them, but it's also so they know what code card to insert into the packs. Ah, interesting. So, secret rares are, of course, heavier than a normal card, so lighter Code cards are put into the packs to cancel out the weight difference. This prevents pack weighing on the aftermarket. However, not so much though. We do get to, or we do see people weighing packs still. Uh, so it's unlikely packs with improper weights would have left the factory floor. Although it is common, maybe sometimes, uh, let alone on a scale large enough to impact the entire print run. These multiple checks and balances in place. Um, if you have a good qa department i mean we've all seen the quality of some of these pokemon cards that we open from fresh packs the quality can be horrendous now is that the fault of the machine yes obviously but is it also the fault of the qa department the quality assurance absolutely why are you not doing regular checks uh so Basically, in this story here, it says if you look at the photo of the stone cards above, you'll notice the cards are coming out of five long white boxes. There's even more cards spilling onto the table. This means the thief probably stole one cardboard secret rare box, assuming the photo is showing us all the booty. Even if the stone cards manage to detract from the pull rates, Pokemon prints billions of cards a year. The theft occurred at one factory. During a print run, Pokemon produces almost 27 million cards a day, so it's unlikely that theft would have caused issues on a noticeable scale, if at all. This isn't the first time rare Pokemon cards have been stolen in bulk, nor will it be the last sadly. We know from as far back as 2005's EX On Scene Forces that rare cards were sometimes stolen from the factories as you can see. Pokemon is a popular franchise, so there's bound to be a few bad actors once in a while. We also know that Thieves aren't the smartest, nor the most knowledgeable about Pokemon. This explains why they didn't understand you can't just offload thousands of the rarest cards without raising suspicion. And of course, as usual, Pokemon never comments on situations like this, so it's unlikely they'll issue any kind of statement. Next up, we take a sort of sad turn, unfortunately. A voice actor who's known for Team Rocket, Professor Oak, and many many others, is forced to retire due to a cancer diagnosis. Uh, James Carter Cathcart also contributed his voice to the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime and a handful of other games. So, the voice actor behind the the iconic Pokemon characters such as Professor Oak, his grandson Gary, and Team Rock's James and Meowth is retiring from the anime after 25 years due to the advanced form of cancer. You've likely heard his voice even if you weren't watching the Pokemon anime since the 98 introduction. While he's portrayed Professor Oak's grandson Gary since day one, as well as Oak himself and Team Rocket's James and Meowth since 06, his voice can be heard in a number of classic animes. He's performed in shows like Yu-Gi-Oh! as the bowl-cut duelist Weevil, Kirby, right back at ya, as the
1: Senyo Knight Sir Gal. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Sonic X as the music-loving Vector, the crocodile, and even One Piece as the Black Cat's Pirates officer, Butchie. Cart Cat's voice has appeared in a few games, too, including Pokemon Snap, Vakrite Profile, Yu-Gi-Oh! Capsule Monster Coliseum, Shadow the Hedgehog, And, get this, Super Smash Bros. Brawl as the Pokemon Munchlax. In short, James is prolific when it comes to his craft and talent. It's saddening to hear that cancer is purging him right now. The news comes from a website that acts as a personal journal for families to communicate health updates with folks online. A page for James appeared in January where his wife Martha announced the advanced cancer started in his tongue and spread into his neck. She said that the cancer was treatable and that was and that James received chemotherapy treatments to shrink the tumor. Unfortunately, according to a news, new post on April 17th, the two learned that his tumor didn't respond to the induction chemotherapy and that doctors believed a more aggressive chemotherapy approach was necessary. This is set to start around May 1st. With seven weeks of five-day-per-week radiation therapy, and simultaneous chemotherapy in weeks 1, 4, and 7. Likely because of the medical treatments ahead of him, James decided to retire from Pokemon. Uh, he decided to retire from the script adapting and voice dubbing for Pokemon USA, effective the end of season 25, uh, his w- wife wrote. He has been with the series since episode 1, so it is a timely decision as the series transitions to a new character and storyline. We remain eternally grateful for your love, thoughts, comments, hearts and prayers, and well wishes. Honestly, I am deeply saddened to hear that one of our beloved uh, Pokemon anime and anime dubs in general. I mean, like I mentioned, he's been with so many other projects. It sucks to hear that he has cancer. I really, really hope that he does... um, get better um i mean cancer in general is brutal but to have it where he has it um even if it is treatable it's it's horrible i mean you go your entire life or most of your life doing you know voice dubbing and voice acting and then to have to give that up because of this illness i mean it's it's heartbreaking uh so my, my prayers go out to his family. I hope he does get better, uh, and I hope that we have him around for quite some time, because uh, let's be honest, we don't want to lose another childhood memory. And finally, we are doing a new segment on the Pokemon K podcast. This is the r slash Pokemon TCG. So every week, I will go over one, maybe two topics in the r slash Pokemon TCG Reddit, uh, and I'll give my thoughts on it. So today, we have two interesting uh, posts. One was the the Redditor, the Redditor post, new to Pokemon TCG collecting and investing. And I have a question about the Scarlet and Violet ETBs. The boxes have a guaranteed full art foil promo, which each have some strong value. But would it be better investment to keep the boxes themselves in new condition or open them and top load the foil promos? Now, someone does mentioned the promos are only two dollars the pokemon center stamped ones are 20 dollars. will likely go down as more hit the market that is true yes uh typically items will go down in value as more hit the market however we need to look at the other side of this look at how many full arts there are in like say fusion strike and and others where the value has skyrocketed for some odd reason um I mean, it, you, you need to, to think of it that way. I mean, will these cards be worth a lot, say, three, six, nine, even a year later? Uh, hard to say. I mean, nobody has a crystal ball that can tell them, hey, keep that product sealed. It's going to be worth money in the near future. Um, I mean, even older stuff, it, it, it depends, right? Right there's a lot of things that come into condition as far as whether something is worth more or less depending on age or promo or this or that um should you keep it sealed i honestly i don't think so i would rather open it and enjoy it uh because let's be honest pokemon company is going to print a of this um this is the base set of scarlet and violet you will be seeing base set packs for quite some time in and around i don't know probably the next at least couple years yeah about a couple years give or take uh and then we'll probably start to see that one slow down a bit and you'll see more of the newer sets uh i mean For instance, how many times have you opened up a Sword and Shield era box and gotten a Sword and Shield base set pack? I mean, at one point, they were actually pretty freaking common. So, I mean, it it, it all depends. Me personally, screw it, open it, enjoy it. Because, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hobby. Just open it, enjoy it. The second one, though, this guy posts regarding grading. At what, point, at what price point, raw and condition, do you consider grading a card? Uh, is it worth it? Does age of the card, vintage versus modern, impact this decision? So, for instance, for me, yes, the value of the card raw does take effect. Uh, condition also takes effect. I mean, you're not going to send a card off that's i mean let's for instance let's say the card raw is worth i don't know fifty dollars okay so with the card being raw worth being fifty dollars uh for me personally i would grade with mnt um they're based here in canada uh opposed to me shipping them down to psa because i mean quite frankly unless the card is worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars Financially speaking, it is absolutely not worth it for me to send it down to PSA because you're going to spend about $100 US just to physically get the card graded. Uh, But when you calculate shipping down there, shipping back, you're pretty much spending upwards to about $200 US for us, which, I mean, compared to the Canadian dollar, uh, $200 US, you're looking at closer to $300 Canadian. It is not worth it for us to ship stuff down to PSA unless it's worth a considerable amount. Now, let's say you are American and you're sending it to PSA, so it doesn't cost a arm and a leg to to have it being graded. In that case, theoretically, anything. In my personal opinion, I mean, everyone's opinion is different, but in my personal opinion, uh, you're, you're looking at what thirty ish dollars. US to grade, give or take, Um, you know, depending on the tier that you pick, I think. Uh, If that's the case, theoretically, I would pick anything that's worth, say, $50 raw to grade because, and again, you have to look at condition. Um, If it's worth $50 raw and it comes back a PSA 5, that's not going to be worth it because the money that you spent to grade it you're not even going to get that back selling it. Uh, so you, you got to look. You got to look at the card. You got to look at the price of the card raw. Um, you got to look at the price of each card as a, as it's being graded. You know what does a PSA ten sell for? Nine, eight, seven, so on and so forth. Um, me personally, I before I send any cards to MNT, I always use my grading tool for centering and stuff like that. I always use a magnifying glass to look at the hollows because, I mean, let's be honest, there's a massive price difference between a quote unquote PSA 10 to a PSA 8 or a 9. For us Canadians, there is a considerable difference between a MNT 10 versus a MNT 9 or even a 9.5 or an 8.5. Luckily for us, I mean, we get the subgrades automatically included on the cards. Thank God. I mean, so you can always see what each section got as a grade. Now, if they all came back as a 9.5, let's say all four sections, and let's say a PSA 10 card sold for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. But I mean, theoretically, we always drop a little bit off the price selling MNT cards because I mean, Americans think MNT is some Canadian good old hobby store who's you know never seen the light of day. But I mean, let's be honest, there are what probably hundreds of different grading companies out there, they're all great in their own individual countries. But for some reason, if it's not PSA or BGS. Or in some cases, even CGC, nobody wants to freaking touch it, which kind of sucks. I mean, every grading company has their flaws, every grading company has their perks, and every grading company has a different case that individually, some of them look amazing. Now, obviously, some of them are pretty plain, some of them copy PSA, some of them copy BH or BGS, heck, some of them copy CGC. Um, so, you know. Pick and choose where you want to grade, and then go from there as far as price point goes. But on that note, we say have a good night, or a good day, depending on whenever you listen to this. And I will see you again next week. But also, don't forget, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, whatever that is in your time, there is going to be a new episode of Pokey Cave After Dark. Take care, everyone. See you next week.